Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Welcome to another episode of the B&E Podcast with Evan and Brandon, or Brandon and Evan, whichever way you like to do it. Uh, anyway, so today we're going to be talking about uh, practice. We're going to be talking about what's effective in practice as an artist. And uh, you know, I have a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of insight on this thing because I just read a book actually, and I'll recommend it right off the top. It's called The Little. Uh, I think it's The Little Red Book or The Little Book of Talents. The Little Book of Talents. Okay. It's tiny little red book. Um, it's great. It's only about a hundred pages. Easy read. I highly recommend it. It's one of those books that I think just everybody should read. If you, if you're, I mean, everybody should read this book, honestly, but, um, if you're at a hundred pages, start to argue against it. Oh yeah. It takes you like yeah. an hour, maybe, maybe two, depending on how fast you read. Right. But, um, it's really well put together. It's basically 52 things to put, uh, basically this guy went out and he went to all the best training camps, like where all the best people like Olympians come out. Right. And he basically broke down what they're doing that everyone else isn't doing. That's helping mm. them build talents. Do you know who the author of this book is? I do, but the book isn't, uh, the in, book isn't in, in front of me right now. right now. Okay. Uh, Cause I feel like I've seen this guy give a talk before. You probably have. And I really liked him. Yeah. So yeah. this, this book, and they even say it in the, in the book. I mean, the sooner you read this book, like the younger you are, the better. Mm. And the science behind it is what he's pointing out. Uh, I'll, I'll just lay out a couple things just so we can kind of get into this. He, he talks about how talent isn't something you're actually really born with. It's something you build. Um, although some of us will be born with say natural talents. Yeah. It's actually, you'll notice if you look at the science, most often people with natural talents tend not to actually flourish. It's actually people who are born without natural talents that yeah. actually tend to succeed more often than not. But then you get those, um, those few people like say like the Wayne Gretzky's or something like that, where they were, um, tailored very young. But if you look at say Michael Jordan, for example, you would think he was born with natural talents. He actually wasn't. He got, he got, you know, he didn't even make his high school basketball team. So Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player who ever lived so far, right. Um, kind of shows you that talent was something that you build. And if you look at like Kobe Bryant or, or a lot of these other basketball players, if you look at how much they're training, beyond what everyone else is doing, you'll start to see that there it's really, it is built. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the point is he he makes this really interesting point where he says like, um, we, we, we build pathways in our brain and there is no, there is, there actually isn't really muscle memory. There's just brain remembering how to move your body. Mm -hmm. So it's not just physical either. It's just the way you think it's the way you, you walk. And so his model in a lot of ways is about understanding that when you're training and you're practicing, you're building pathways in your brain, which are basically yeah. become your habits. And through those habits, you can put together more and more complex habits that are a collection of many small habits. Right. And eventually you can be really great at something, mm-hmm. but where people error is they try to do say way too much and they make many, many errors and trying to do a right. big thing. And so they train their brain that it's okay to make a lot of these errors. But he says the best people, they do the smallest, tiniest things 
exceptionally well. They do it over and over and over again. And then they do another small, tiny thing exceptionally well over and over and over again. And if, and you put them together and then they can become a thing and then together and yeah. uses this one analogy is the last thing I'm going to say. He says, it's like the letter is to the alphabet is to the word is to the sentence is to the paragraph is to the book. So until you've mastered, you know, the smallest element, yeah. you can't necessarily do the best element, the best. Right. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. Makes complete sense to everything I know about practice and what people have, um, brought to me. And, and like, I know as far as, and the thing is it, it is so, um, especially in acting, but I think as people, but as artists, you know, we want to just jump ahead faster than we're like where we're actually at. Right. Um, we have a hard time kind of accepting our, our limitations. Um, but even then it's just like, we're, we're so capable even within our limitations. If we actually just like pushed our limitations to the maximum. But, uh, I know for myself, even like a, a little thing that I've gone back to is, um, you know, before I start playing guitar now, as I, as I start doing a couple of warm up exercises for my fingers, right. Which is, you know, any great, you know, musician, they still do that before they, they begin. It doesn't matter like how, how proficient they are, what level they're at. There's like, there's always a certain level of, of up, And so I've gone back to doing a few of them and really actually making myself, um, go back and do it over. If I, if I kind of screw it up. Right. Uh, which is something that I learned from one of my acting teachers, Larry Silverberg, which was basically we, he got us into the practice because he said, you've got to know your lines so well that they're in your veins so that no matter what happens on the stage, no matter what happens between you and your scene partner, it, it doesn't matter. The lines will be there yeah. because they're the first things that go when, when something kind of different happens, when something surprises you, right. You're like, your lines just go. Right. So it was, so he had this practice where basically we'd be with our scene partners and we would say our lines to each other, um, by rote. So essentially, if you don't know what that means, that means like we would say our lines like this back and forth. And like, there's nothing, there's nothing on it I see. whatsoever. It was just like, kind of monotonous. And, but while we were doing that, we're throwing a ball to each other back and forth. And if you stumbled, if you screwed up, you started over again. Right. And it was this practice and you're like, Oh my God, this is like, Oh, like you, you, and it, and it could be sort of tedious at times, although you end up kind of making it a challenge for yourself. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, all right, we're going to fucking do this. Right. And when you do it, it's so rewarding, but the reward also for it, for this sort of mundane practice was that, yeah, like in the scene, like we were like, there was such an incredible amount of freedom, you know, because everything was right there. You were never lost. You always knew what was coming out next. Right. Even though if you didn't know exactly how it was going to come out, you always knew what was coming out next. And this was in a scenario too, where it was, um, Larry would just change her scene partner out on us the day of, because there would be multiple people all doing the same scene. Right. And you'd be rehearsing with your partner. And then the day of, he would just 
switch out your partner and you've never worked with this person before. Right. You hadn't blocked anything out. You hadn't rehearsed anything with, with each other. It was just like, go up and go, (laughs) (laughs) but we, you could do it. Yeah, you could do it. You could do it. And it was like, and it was remarkable. It was like one of the, one of the most fascinating things I've ever, I've ever done in in a class before. Well, you know, it actually in the book, there's a couple other things and you mentioned them. So I'll just point them out. Uh, the author points out that the best, what they do is the moment they make a mistake, they, they immediately stop and they figure out what they did and they do it again. And the reason why is because, uh, or you have to redo it many times until you get it perfect. And the reason why is because you want to train your brain to notice mistakes immediately and, and rewire it to fix it. Mm. So what a lot of people will do is they like Mm. to just run the scene all the way through and they make a bunch of mistakes along the way. Right. But then they, they, then they run it again and they run it again. But like this author suggesting, actually, if you look at the people who are trained the best, um, who are literally the best, they will run it and then they make a mistake. They stop, they do it again and they start over and go again and whatever. Right. And so what happens is you rewire your brain because you're always, he basically points out, you always want to think that you're rewiring your brain mm-hmm. and that your brain has not like most people have learned in our life. Cause we're poorly educated. Basically we're yeah. poorly educated in the sense that we're taught to run from mistakes. But the, if you look at anyone who's the best, they actually, when they make a mistake, they go, Oh great. Okay. Well let's look at that. What am I, what can I learn? How can I do that? What, where did I go wrong? Yeah. And then th- that's why a top performer is a top performer. Cause when, when someone else would have made a mistake and just kind of tried to run away from it, that person actually worked out that mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because it's kind of like that one thing. I think there was a Ted talk on it, but it was like our education system, uh, or current model more so is, is geared towards, um, like, uh, re- grades or results. Yeah. Right. Like you, you are educated to achieve a grade to achieve a, this kind of, I don't know, some kind of an external result yeah. uh, as, or, as out of after it, all this, stuff after done. all of this stuff. But yeah. the problem is with that is that, um, people only, people will only do so much. People will only do as much as what will get them however far they want to go. So it's like, yeah, you know, certain people, they will, they, they will still be limited by, by, even if they're going for getting like, you know, an A plus yeah. or something, there's still a limitation because you're still only going for the A plus, right? Which is, and what that A plus is, is made up of a lot of ideas of what you think is the right thing. It doesn't encourage a lot of self thinking. It doesn't encourage mastery right. still. It just, asks you to get only so far. But even then there's some people who are just like, no, I just want an A or I want a B or whatever. And it's like, and, and it, it actually holds us back. It does not actually lead us into mastery of anything. Right. Cause mastery is something that's, um, that's really like comes from us. That comes from our own sense of drive. Nobody else can, can give us that sense of mastery. Well, there's, yeah, there's mastery in the sense too, that, um, there's, there's something that is like almost precision based where everybody can master it. And then there's our own personal sense of mastery. So like, um, in the book too, uh, you know, I'm just going to keep referring to it because I feel like it's, it, there's a lot of great reference points. Once I get them out, then we can just further discuss them. Yeah. yeah. But another one is, and you know, this is stuff that I think 
we hear them, but we don't know to put weight on it. And we don't know how to put all these things together. Um, because we get a lot of information. We're in an information age. So when you come across a really great book, my recommendation is really just stop and really take that book in and really try and see it in its parts and its whole. Right. Um, you know, and so with this book, it's one of those ones where you can take it by part and you can take it by whole and it all works very nicely in my opinion. But, um, this whole thing, there's another thing he talks about skill and there's hard skills and there's soft skills and hard skills are things that they require precision. You need to get them right. You need to get them exactly the way they're supposed to be done for them to work. Right. But they're usually very like, like basic stuff, stuff you can do repetitively. He uses the example of say doing a rep on a weight. You do it with perfect form every single time. Right. You know, and that's something that's a hard skill. Yeah. When you do your squat or something, you do that perfect every time. And if anything went wrong, you do it again, you do it again until you get it perfect. And all of these little actions, the curl, the squat, the, the, you know, the lunge, whatever you're doing, say in your fitness, when it comes to game time, when you're playing, you're going to have all those skills, you know, in perfect form. Right. And so then a soft skill becomes a changing defense. How are you responding to the changing defense? It's not mm. always the same. And so if you have your hard skills well practiced and to perfection of precision, then your soft skills can't, they can't be perfect or precise necessarily. Right. But if you have all the hard skills in place, then you get to be creative. So it's interesting how yeah, your, yeah. your teacher was saying, run the lines this way. Cause basically what he's doing is get all your hard skills taken care of so precise that when we get to soft skill area where you're with a different partner or a different scenario or something different happens, yeah. you're going to be able to respond to it because you have those things taken care yeah, of. Yeah. It's, it's interesting language that the author uses there because like, you know, because yeah, like soft skills are, are like those things that are a little bit less tangible, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of harder to put your finger on what exactly it is because it's more in the creative mold of things, which is a bit of a mysterious process, Yeah, but they're being supported in many ways. Hard skills are very much kind of like, yeah, like almost like a physical skill or a mental skill kind of, you know, like you're just like, you're, you're in tune. You know how to, you know how to process something quickly, mm. you know, calculate something quickly, or you're able to physically, to physically just be capable of doing something, sure. you know, performing a certain action. Um, so they're really like in that way, like hard skills are kind of they They really are almost like a supporter mm. of the soft skills, right? Cause they're the ones that I would say in some, I won't say they're more important, but they're, um, they're kind of what make the hard skills necessary. Well, the hard skills, you know, the way I look at it too, the hard skills are kind of the foundation in which you build the house on, but everybody wants to build the house. Nobody wants to build the foundation, yeah. you know? And the thing is, is the house is going to fall over without the foundation. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that we see these athletes or we see these actors or whatever, directors, writers, and we see them apply soft skills and we go, I want to do that. That looks incredible. It's so creative. And so immediately we try to start doing soft skills, but if we were smart and we understood, well, it's not that we're not smart. If we were properly educated, we would actually go, okay, well, what hard skill do I need to build or what hard skills do I need to build to even be capable to be creative, to do that? Mm -hmm. Like, I think when you look at say like a, like an artist or you look at even a, a sports figure and they do something incredible and you look at that and you go, how did they do that? The first thing you should look at is 
look at all the little smallest, tiny elements of it. Cause what they did was all, there's many, many hard skills. And what happened in the soft skill is they combined many of those things together into one yeah. and made that work. I mean, if you look at like, I don't know, like people who follow soccer, for example, like Lionel Messi, and he does this incredible footwork, but like, that's someone who has put so much practice and so much time into these little things that when it finally comes together, you know, he's, he's able to use all those things with perfection. And the thing is, is you know, I think media likes to make us believe that people are born like this and it's just not the case. It just is not the case. And there's sometimes people who are young who do succeed. But if you look at literally every single one of them, they had some type of mentorship or something there um, in place, or they had some type of, they were guided in some type of direction. Even if their mentor left them, they were directed in a certain way and that allowed them to flourish. Yeah. And also like a real genuine passion for what they're doing. I think that's also crucial. It's like, you know, there's, if you don't really have a passion for what you're doing, then, then there's really no sense in building the skill. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, and I think that's an, an important thing for, uh, no matter what kind of endeavor that you, that you set yourself upon is to really connect to again, that, that why you want to do something right. Like the arts attract a lot of people who get into it for kind of the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you don't necessarily start to find the right reasons for it, but it certainly does attract certain amount of people and and people who approach it in a way because, you know, people want like the idea of being an artist of some kind or want to be famous and, you know, want to be well known and blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. Uh, and so then people begin to like approach what they do and practice in a way that's very sort of mechanical and, and executable, you know, like performing all these sort of, yeah, like those hard skills, learning these hard skills. It doesn't mean that they don't um, become extraordinary technicians. There's been a lot of people who've been very successful that way, but um, you know, that's a hard thing to maintain if you don't have a genuine passion for what you're doing. Yeah. You know, if your reasons are for kind of superficial things, then I think that's a hard thing to sustain. I think so too. I think, um, you know, I think the thing is, is that you, you, you really, it's, it's with passion, there has to be a kind of a certain type of love and an enjoyment. And, you know, for me, like right now, you know, I'd say like in my life, one of the things that I've actually kind of, and I talked about this in previous podcasts, like I ventured more into business and entrepreneurship more these days. And, um, I'm really passionate about it. I'm really excited about it. And it's really difficult for me in certain ways because I didn't go to business school. I didn't learn. There's a lot of things I didn't learn. And I I feel like, you know, when I, let me just kind of pair back when I started hockey, I started ice hockey pretty late. Like I, like a lot of kids were playing when they were three, four or five years old. I didn't really start ice hockey until I was like, I don't know, I think like 14 years old. So it was super late, but previous to that, I did play a bit of roller hockey. So I kind of had a bit of the game, but it's way different. And the biggest thing I noticed when I got up there playing with everybody was 
it wasn't too hard to like get really good at turning and stopping and doing those little things. Cause I could practice on my own. I could figure that out. Mm-hmm. But the thing that was really hard for me to learn was where to be on the ice and how to position myself in ice hockey. Cause in right. roller hockey, there's only four players, mm-hmm. but in uh, four and four, but in ice hockey, there's five. And as much ice hockey as I had watched, I never had real coaching and stuff like that, you know, in ice hockey. So for me, one of the hardest parts was just learning how, where to be and how to position myself and all of that. And I find like with business, that's kind of something that I'm learning right now is like positioning yourself in business and understanding how to set your business up is, is sometimes just as important as knowing how to sell and market and put a great product together or Mm -hmm. a great service together. And so right now, a lot of what I'm learning is I'm, I'm, I'm learning about how the financial system of it all works, how to, how to actually properly figure out, you know, there's certain things that are like basic understandings about business, but so what, what I'm finding now is like, this was an interesting book. Cause I can go, okay, well, what can I, what's one thing I can do really well? Well, okay. So I can, I can pick up the phone. I can call people, you know, I can, I can, I have, I'm good at presenting an idea. I'm good at building in kind of a class, you know, where am I not so good? Well, I'm not so great at marketing. Like I'm not so great at necessarily communicating to a large group of people yet. So that's something I can work on and I can literally just go and go and figure out, okay, well, what are the practices I need to do to properly do this so I can communicate that way? Yeah. And so eventually if you give it enough time, give it enough practice, you'll be great at anything. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is, is that what's really hard. And this is the thing I want to mention this is why I'm getting to all this is it's really hard when you get older to start something new because you kind of suck at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like I see these, <clears throat> I see these 21 year olds who are starting a business and I mean, Lots of people fail at business. Way more people fail at business. I'm not looking so much at those people. I'm looking at the people who are succeeding. And I'm seeing people who are 23, 21, 25 years old. And they have multi-million dollar businesses. And, you know, they're fresh out of business school and they figured it out. You know, some people are even younger. And they have great parents and mentors and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, whoa, man, like, I just feel so far behind. But yeah. if I think like that, that's going to kill it, right? So mm. I need to go, okay, well, yeah. you know what? this is all new to me in a lot of ways. I mean, I've been kind of, I've been doing almost a mom and pop shop business for the last few years. And I figured that out, which is, you know, that's like almost elementary school when it comes to business these days. And now I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I make an expansive business? How do I make a business that makes money when I'm not there? You know, how do I make a business that I can sell one day, you know, this type of thing. Now that's a way more complicated game, but it's exciting because it's a game now for me. I'm looking at it like, okay, this is like a video game. It's like, how do I put all the pieces together and figure this out? Yeah. And so to bring it back to your point with the passion and excitement, I think you also got to make it fun. Oh yeah. You know, cause like, it's one thing to like, it's hard to like stuff sometimes. Like I think when people hear about business or something, they think, oh, well that, that seems hard. doesn't sound like fun, but like making a movie is the same as building a business in a lot of ways, yes. you know? So, you know, and one of the reasons why I like people to make a film is because you actually learn a lot about what you can do by making a film because it's building like a little business, you know, totally. But a film business, the thing is I've I've done many films, but a film is like a small, it's like a temporary business. When you're building like a, a bigger business, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking of something that actually has to reproduce itself many, many times over. Not just like the, the once, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little pop-up shop kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so I think, well, what are we getting to? We're getting down to like bringing the basics in and really working on mastering those and then figure out how to put that together yeah, so and, you can be more creative with and, it. Yeah. I think it's really getting, getting the basics down, you know, like getting that it's so often is the case because yeah, like the, the, I feel like so much like this thing, like the hard, the hard skills or whatever, hard skills, not like they're necessarily difficult, but just, you know, they're, they demand a a kind of precision or a kind of, you know, yeah, a practice, uh, to do them and to, and to shape them, form them, that sort of thing. And they're pretty simple. Yeah. Usually, you know, like there's not a lot you have to think about with them. It's just like, other than it, are you, performing it accurately. Right. Like, is this, is, are you, yeah, like it's not much you have to think about in in the grand scheme of it. Um, if you keep it small, it's, it's, it's better. I think the thing is, is like, I, another thing the book was pointing out is like, you know, initially like you say, um, you're doing, you want to do the smallest component, the easiest thing, the thing, you know, you can do. And then later you might combine things. So, for example, you'll see people at the, at the gym, for example, and they'll do like a, you know, a, like, uh, they'll do like a lunge and then a push up with the bar and then some other type of move. And they'll combine three workouts into one. And the thing is, is if they perfected each one of those, they can combine all three and they can get kind of, uh, more of a fuller workout in one right. exercise. And the thing is, is the advantage of that, like, is that you can, like anytime you're going to be say like working more muscles than, than one, but you're doing them separately, but you're doing them all simultaneously. You can, you can get more of a body workout as opposed to someone who's got to like, say do 10 lifts, wait for a minute or 30 seconds or a few minutes, depending on how they're lifting and then lift one weight again, but only works one muscle group. Right. Whereas someone else say who is maybe not trying to bulk up, but they're trying to actually just get cut they would want to do several moves in one, but that takes practice of doing each one of those several moves perfectly. Yeah. And then you can combine them all together and you become, you know, you, you could get a workout done in half an hour that would normally take someone like an hour or an hour and a half Yeah. because, you know, and that's what a lot, a lot of these times, like if you go to like an exercise workout group, that's a lot of the time what they're trying to do that you're being guided to be doing exercises so that you're moving in from one to the next. And there's not a lot of time to be wasted. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I think with, with practice, when you first start, it's very slow, it's very simple, but as you get better, you can do more faster. But the thing is, is you can only do that if you've perfected when it was really simple. Yeah. You know, and, and I hear that a lot of the best athletes always go back to the basics. They don't try to do more complicated things. Yeah. They always start back at the basics and then they build back up too. Yeah. They don't like, uh, you know, there's a, actually there's a story in the book about, um, you know, uh, one of the quarterbacks, um, who basically like he goes back to his basics every time he starts again, you know what I right. mean? And, uh, Tom Brady, I guess it was or something, oh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is like, I don't know. You know, I think the thing is, is we make this shit too complicated a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, again, the temptation is, is always that you have to fight is to want to have to do more 
then you have to too quickly. Yeah. And you're just going to frustrate yourself that way. Totally. Right. Because for one, you've created an unrealistic expectation upon yourself to be able to execute something at a high level. Um, when you're not there. Yeah. You know, uh, cause like I do that, like I was saying with, um, with guitar playing, I've gone back to just doing some basic exercises and, you know, the one I'm thinking of in particular is like playing a scale. I sort of play the scale in a certain way and it, and it actually combines a couple of, of skills in one that it demands a kind of precision. Mm. You know, you've got to make sure you're hitting the right string at the right time and, and your fingers are in the right place. And it kind of, you have to move back and forth up and down the scale. Um, and I always want to try and do it super fast. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's like, I want to just try and like, do it. Like, yeah, the idea, like, yeah, I want to be able to do it very, very fast. But, um, I was recently reminded to slow it down Hmm. and to start off like so slow. It almost seems it's like, it feels kind of painful. Yeah. Right. But something they recommended in the book too. (laughs) It's like you start, yeah, you slow it right down so that you get it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, and like, you know, you do, do that. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is brutal. Yeah. And then I work down and feel like, and then if I've done it, if I did it perfectly, I speed it up a little bit. Right. And then if I screw it up, you know, at a certain point, then I slow it back down again and start from the beginning. Good for you. Right. Like, and then, and then you work back up and work. And the thing is, is that like the, the difference in my playing when I'm, when I'm sticking to it or even immediately following once I'm done doing my warm up and I'm free to go like my, like my, my accuracy, um, for what I'm playing is just, is just way higher. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just technically playing at a better level, which allows me to actually be more musical. Hmm when I'm being creative, right. you know, it's like, this is like this whole thing that you've brought up, Brandon. It's all like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it all makes complete sense to me. I mean, I'm sure we can all draw upon those experiences for us. Things is why the hell do we not do it? You know, why the hell Here, do we always, here's my, here's my theory. And I, I, and I'm glad you asked that question. I think the reason why we don't do it is first of all, that we're poorly educated on practice and we're, we're highly uh, sensationalized about performance. Mm. So we live in a society that's all about recognizing when someone does this great thing and we don't really talk about, well, what it took for them to get there. And we kind of almost, and this whole thing that goes on right now, especially in Hollywood, but in North America in general, which is this whole born talent, you're born talented is just a total myth. And it literally is what kills talent because actually they said, if you were born with say like an extra disposition, the worst thing that could probably happen is that you're told you have a, like you're more talented because then you're more, you're less likely to take risks and make mistakes because you want to maintain this belief in everybody and yourself that you're special. And so the more you think you're talented when you're younger, in fact, a lot likely, the less likely you'll hurt, you'll, you'll work. Right. And they use this example of, um, you know, this 
actress who I think it's an actress. I think it's something like that. And then this other actress who's waiting in the wings and the one who was born being the talented one eventually stumbles and falls. And the one who's been waiting in the wings has been practicing and putting all this effort in. And then she's the Meryl Streep that, you know, we all recognize today. Right. So the thing is, is that you look at Meryl Streep now and you go, Oh wow, Meryl Streep, like she's just so incredible, but Meryl Streep worked her ass off to get there. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, we, you know, there's the example they use, like the, the real, I don't know the word they use in the book, but the real star is the person that's keeled over on their knees, drenching in sweat, heaving, um, when nobody's looking at them. Yeah. That's, you know, well, they were practicing, right. That's the person who's the real star, right? Because when you're giving it like, cause five, they said five times or five to 10 times, as many times you perform, you're going to be practicing or you should be practicing. Yeah. So the thing is, is that those practices are what matter. The performance is just what you show everybody that you've done. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think that we, you know, like look at actors. I mean, why do so many actors struggle and like, they're not really at, uh, I think actualizing what they're capable of is because they get right up on stage in their first acting class and they're already performing a scene or running a monologue or doing something right away in front of everybody. And they, yeah. and, and, they and that they shouldn't even be doing that. Like the first things they should be learning are very technical, small things so they can get some confidence, build some basic skills. And then eventually they can eventually get up on stage and do something, but everybody wants to run out and get on stage. I know I did, right? Everybody wants to do that. And am I good? Did I do a good job? And the thing is, is that, you know, I think what ends up happening is even actors who are considered really good, who are working are not even a fraction close to how good they could be Hmm. because they don't have training methods most of them that are beyond what they do in like an acting school or with their auditions. And the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of actors will go, I don't know how to practice on my own. Well, that's, there's your problem right there. Cause if you don't believe you can practice on your own, then there's your problem right there. You know, you could be walking around, just walk down the road and you could be, you know, memorizing lines, or you could be, you know, doing some activity, washing your ditches, dishes and working on a play at the same time. And you could be multitasking and learning how to be able to do two things at once, which is a very common skill for actors to be able yeah. to do, you know, to get comfortable. You could be learning how to work on your humor by going out. And every time you go out, you make you try to make five jokes and you know what? You're going to bomb and bomb and bomb and bomb. And then eventually you're going to start to say some stuff that's funny. And if you want to work on your comedy, you could be watching stand up comedians and watching every single stand up comedian and starting to figure out what's this person's type of humor, this person's type of humor, this person's type of humor, and starting to figure out if you can find a way to mimic and match their humor. Cause like, when hockey, like a young hockey player will watch Wayne Gretzky or they'll watch Sidney Crosby or they'll watch somebody and they'll watch them play and they'll model them. So why as actors, are we not modeling as well? Because, you know, the thing is, is the same, it goes the same for everything. And, and, um, you know, I think of, I think of, uh, you know, my life and I go, well, you know, I don't know if I was, and I don't know if people knew to even train me this way, but I don't, I don't think of myself is very well trained because I didn't learn. I didn't really learn what I could do to really accentuate my craft. And so whatever I am where I am now and, and I am the actor I am today, yeah. which is okay. But the thing is, is that 
Um, yeah, it could have been way better given the right practices. I think that's why we're having this conversation because anybody who's listening to this can go, okay, well, are you going to start today? And, and the other thing too, is you can say you're too old or you've passed your date. It's not true. It doesn't matter because the thing is, here's the, here's the bottom line. 95% of people are not practicing properly. So right now, wherever you are in your life, you have a huge opportunity because you're, you can immediately get yourself into the five or 10 percentile, or at least in the top 20 percentile just by practicing properly Yeah. because most people aren't. And so, um, the other thing is the other reason why I think we don't do this is because, um, I don't believe that the systems that are in place care about us individually, autonomously, like they don't, they don't care about us as people. The systems are designed to favor economy, to favor system, to favor people who are in power. And they have since Kings and Queens since, you know, forever ago. And so it hasn't much evolved past that. And so, um, we live in an interesting time because we have a lot of like personalized coaches and stuff and personalized coaches. The advantage is that if they're good, not all of them are, but if they're good, they literally really care about their personal clients Mm -hmm. and their personal clients have essentially what was hard to have before, which is a real mentor that you can actually just go and find online. And, you know, um, I'm not saying you just pick anybody, but I think the thing is, is that we need to look at our process a lot more personally and a lot less systematized Mm -hmm. because if you look at the base education system, all it's designed to do is make sure you're a functional adult that won't cause crime and criminality and that you can do basic jobs so you can keep the economy turning. That's really, if, if it pumps you out and you do that, yeah, it's pretty happy, right? Because you're making money and you're spending your money and you're offering value to the economy yeah. and you're not causing crime. So basically you've got you're a doing roof over your head, you right. can feed yourself, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and, and, and basically the system is designed to make you comfortable enough so that you won't complain about it, but you'll do it and you'll go through it. So the thing yeah. is, is that I think that's why we don't do it because we're, we're educated and we think that that's the best it could be. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like it is designed to be, it's like, good enough to be good enough. Right. Right. It's like, this is good enough. Like the rest is, is kind of up to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's like, we've given you enough, uh, skills and education that you can, you know, you can, you should be able to sustain yourself for the rest of your life in some, some way or another. But it's, it's still very much like, there's not necessarily a, a big culture in, in how people t- in for people to really, really excel for people to really, to really be masters in something, right? For people to really have a discipline to really like just excel. You know, there are, I'm not, I won't say all education, but you know, to, to a large degree. And I think that's all changing because, uh, our, our own sort of our economy is changing. The way things go is changing. Um, so the education system will have to catch up. And I think it is starting to figure some of these things out. Yeah. Right. Um, just because, yeah, it's like, it, well, it doesn't, doesn't really work the same way anymore. Um, and, and people don't need to be able to perform the same tasks anymore. You know, it's becoming much more like we need, uh, we need more human, what, what makes us, um, 
strong as human beings is what is more so now needed in the workforce. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are people, like, what are people's strengths? You know, like what are like creative strengths? You know, I think creativity as we're going forward in this world is becoming uh, a bigger and a bigger thing. It's becoming a more important commodity than it's ever been. Right. You know, whereas before it was like, no, it's like you learn how to perform these hard, these hard skills, you know, even if you had no interest in those skills whatsoever. Sure. Right. It's like, no, you're learning these hard skills because this is what's going to be asked of you. But more and more and more, (laughs) these things aren't being asked of us. Right. Because other, like there's enough people either already doing them or it's become such an automated mechanical process that people don't really need to have to do it anymore. It's kind of an obsolete skill to have. Mm -hmm. So with all of sort of a lot of the industrial model education skills kind of becoming obsolete for a majority of people, they become limiting factors on us. So, and now we've spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. on building these skills that are going to have no function. Right. Right. And so now I think we're heading into a place where it's like, okay, well let's look at what people's strengths are. And that's on a more creative level. It doesn't mean that hard skills aren't going to be required, but what hard skills are going to be required specifically what hard skills will be required for you to go on the path of mastery towards this thing that you have a passion for. Right. Right. And it's not, it's interesting because it's like everything is, is there's, um, it's such an incredible reflection in a mirror of itself, you know, how this whole thing is going, you know, what people need to learn is what the education system needs to learn. Hmm. Right. Like there's just this, this incredible thing. They're just reflecting back. It's like, here's what people really need to know, but here's, but what the, in order for people to know it, the education system has to reflect that and has to start, um, helping people to practice that and, and, and do a better job at, um, I don't, uh, allowing these things to unfold and, and for people's individual creativity to come out, uh, so that they can become more functional, more successful, greater contributors to the economy, mm-hmm. whatever shape that evolves into or whatever. But, you know, for people to be of greater service and value in the world, and that's based less on hard skills and I think more on soft skills. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a uh, part of it too is, you know, the, the economic system, you know, capitalism and all of that stuff and the way that it's set up, um, you know, there's, there is a benefit for, um, keeping people uneducated and keeping people in debt. There's a lot of benefits that, um, people can get out of that who are say more, uh, thirsty for, uh, having a lot of wealth and power. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that because in, in some ways you can say, well, they're supplying the systems that actually educate. Because if you look through, now I'm going to say, take two sides of the same argument. You, you look through history, the Kings and Queens of the past didn't necessarily go out and educate, you know, all the people who are working the land. 
you know, mm-hmm. basically you had lords and whatever, and, you know, take it different societies, different things, but they took care of those people and those people did their basic job. And there is very much a class system and mm-hmm. whatever what's happened now is our education system is actually really wonderful in the sense that it's closing off the, uh, it's closing off the, the class system. But if you, if you look at what's happened a little bit right now, what we've done in certain ways is because, um, because the system's set up the way it is, we, we create almost a ruling class within like the upper middle class, the middle class, the lower middle class and poverty. And then you have the top, like one percentile people. And up there, it's like an entirely different world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different existence. It's like a different, you know, if, if the rest of society was to function like what the 1% functions like, it, it wouldn't, it would basically be, there would be a lot more education. The education would be more specific. It would be more specifically tailored. I mean, just to give you an example, you know, you take a kid wants to learn golf and he's in the 1%. What does his parents do? They get him a professional golf personalized coach to teach them how to swing. They put them into specific golf school with the top people who know how to do it. I mean, they might even train with a pro. So the thing is, is that when you're middle, middle, lower class, or even upper middle class, you might, you know, you might not be doing that type of stuff. So of course you have a tutor. You just have a tutor. You don't like, it's not like you go to school. Like a tutor is a part of the thing. Everybody who is properly educated, you go to school and you get a tutor. Mm-hmm. Like that should be expected. You know what I mean? Because, um, but the thing is, is we live, the, the, we're programmed in the middle class a little bit to think that we should take what we're given and just accept that as enough. It just isn't enough. And so like, this is a call to parents. It's a call to everybody out there. If you need something specific, go out and find the specific person to help you. Don't expect yeah. that the base model is going to give you enough. What it's going to do is it's going to give you the foundations. It's going to teach you how to speak the language, how to do the math, how to do the basic science, how to do the stuff. But if you want to take anything further, you need to go out and you need to get that specific education. Now, here's another thing I'm just going to say, cause there's someone out there going, well, I don't have the money to do that. I just went and I bought the book. We've been talking about the whole podcast. I bought it for $10 a used bookstore. $10 changed my life. I bought another book I just read on, you know, finance. I've been talking all about it. I bought that book for like, you know, five bucks at a bookstore on the other Island. You know what I mean? So there's used books. If, if you don't even have that money, you can go to the library and I guarantee you can look up the books. And here's the other great thing, people on this podcast. If you go to our blog, we put a (laughs) link and a title to the book so you can just find the book and go look it up. We make it so easy for you. Now I want to say one last thing. Our generation, you and I, when we had to look up a book, you and I had to go to the library or the bookstore. We yeah. couldn't just look it up online. It wasn't until was we no, were, there was no Wikipedia. Yeah. We had to learn to do that. So I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they're saying millennials, part of the problem with the millennials is all they've done is adjust their laziness to the accessibility. So people will be in a conversation and they could Google it right there and they won't do it. We would have had to go to a bookstore. We would have had to figure it out, but you can Google it right there. And a lot of people aren't actually looking things up out of just pure out of curiosity. Like it's too much work for them. Yeah. So here's the thing the the, if you want to like just totally not realize your potential at this day and age, 
don't look anything up online. Don't, don't do any research. Don't read any books. Don't go out and find extra information because you will, you will literally put yourself at the smallest position you can in society. If you're someone who wants to change your life, this is what you start doing right now. You start looking up every time you have a curiosity, you immediately go online, you go look that up, or you put a note in your little journal or something and you go and look it up later. But you look everything up from now on because we live in an age right now where information is super accessible. So in a sense, if you don't educate yourself, that's what dumb is. That's what stupid is in this society, because we're actually, I mean, for the most part, um, at least in Canada, like, and, and, you know, America is a little bit different because their education system in, in a large way has many problems where it's keeping people down. Like it's just very poor education. But the thing is, is that we got enough education to learn how to look stuff up. We have to take it the next step. And if you need something, if you're failing at math, you need to be like, okay, I need professional help. I need to go get someone that can help me do that. And the thing is, is that, um, parents can go, well, I don't know how to teach my kid. Encourage your kid to get a tutor or help them get a tutor or figure out there's probably even, and I'm pretty certain there's free tutoring websites online that will help your student learn or get them to find a classmate who's the best in class because when they get out of school, that's what they're going to need to do. Yeah. But the thing is, is, you know, okay. So that was the last thing. Here's the last thing. (laughs) Here's the problem. Here's the problem with talent and why we don't have enough of it and why we're not realizing our potential. It's very simple. We live in a society where it's the blind leading the blind. And the problem is, is that we don't have enough people who are giving people solid advice and encouraging them to take a direction that's uncommon. And the problem is common direction right now is led by the blind because this, the teacher that is teaching you was taught by the teacher that taught them and down the line, none of them, none of them got the proper education or learned how to take a personal investment in their student. And so what ends up happening is a lot of people kind of don't get the right guidance. And and here's the further point. If you were a struggling student, teachers in the past used to look at you as a problem and basically dismiss you. It's starting to change. But the thing is, is that a lot of the best speakers today, a lot of the best entrepreneurs today were usually the worst people in school. Mm -hmm. They weren't the best ones. But the thing is, is somehow they got out of that situation and they beat the system. So you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. What you need to do is you need to start taking a step in the right direction and understand that what you were given was not necessarily all you needed. And it's fine. Don't I like whatever I look at my life. I go like shit, like I should have learned so much stuff so long ago, but I didn't. I am where I am. I'm learning it as I go. It's my journey. And, and in some ways it actually helps you on your path to learning what you do need to know. Right. You know, not learning something sometimes is what helps you to, to learn it. Right. Right. Because sometimes the more we struggle with something, the more profound the experience is when we figure it out, the more sort of intimate we are with it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I know for years I, 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 I struggled. At least I felt that way with, with acting, not, not so much just on the professional level as far as like, you know, booking roles and stuff, but um, 
on a personal level, on a, on a craft level, there was something that I, I just struggled with. There was something that nobody seemed to have an answer for me. You know, it was just like, well, I'm doing, I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. I'm, I'm working, Yeah. you know, I'm working and there's something just missing. Mm-hmm. There's something that's just missing. And it sent me on a quest to, to discovering more and more and more and discovering something that is now kind of at the foundation of, of not, not even kind of, but is at the foundation of what now I want to teach actors. Right. And the reason why I can teach it is because I've, I've been through it. Yeah. You know, I've been through all the shit of being like, I am doing every single, I, I have worked at every single fucking technique under the sun. And I'm still, I feel like I've still gotten nowhere. Hmm. I say, I feel like I've st- like, I, I feel like I still, um, don't have a way of working that I can count on. You know, I, I don't understand how this, what I'm doing even after all of these years and all of these classes and all this training, I'm still being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I was like, why the fuck is that? Mm. Right. And it was, and it was a difficult process, right. And it took years to, to start to figure it all out. But once I started to figure some of this shit out, I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Mm. And now, uh, I feel like I have an incredible, you know, internal, um, wisdom and facility to sort of help, other people because I've gone through the struggle. Right. Right. So sometimes it's, it's kind of a necessary thing. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the other thing too is, you know, your point brings back another thing, which is that we need to enjoy the journey and not just the destination all the time. Cause like, I think with practice, part of the problem is people practice because there's one day you'll get somewhere, but like, I, I think that's a surefire way to actually like cleave yourself at the knees. You know, like if you, when you're practicing, you need to practice partly. Yes. Cause you have a vision and you have some idea of where you're going, but partly because you're enjoying the process of getting better at something. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you never really know, you never really know how good you can be until the end of your life. And you've, you know, until you're like maybe on your deathbed and you look back and go, okay, that's how good I got, but you'll never really know because there is no, you may be able to be the best in the world better than everybody else, but you'll never, never be the best you could possibly be because there's always, always, always room for improvement. Yeah. And so I think the thing is, is that, you know, they say one of the human drives is actually improvement to improve, basically to learn, to improve yourself, to build, to grow that way. Um, you know, the the other things are to, you know, to drive and, and sex and, and water and whatever, but like personal growth, like a personal feeling of development, like you're building something is part of our human drive. Yeah. And in fact, um, you know, a lot of people believe that people would just be lazy, but if you look at, if you look at it, actually, people in their nature would probably not be lazy. The only reason why they're lazy is because, um, they're, it's partly systematic. It's like a system thing. Because if you look at like right now in, in first world culture, we have more depression than ever right now. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why we have depression is because people stop building themselves. And actually the, the, the best way to beat depression is to start building yourself. Why is self-help such a big fucking economy? 
It's a multi-billion dollar yeah. economy. Why? Because so many people go through their life trying to float, trying to be comfortable, trying to make it. And then when it happens, that just gets you depressed. Cause if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. So growth is a part of the process. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're practicing, you should look at it as like, this is me living just the very act of getting better at it. So it doesn't matter what it is. It could be candy crush on your phone. It doesn't matter. But if you're getting better at something, you're going to start to feel an aliveness. You're going to start to feel good. Yeah. And so the thing is, is that what the way I look at it is like, figure out what you want to practice, where you want to put your, your attention towards. Like if there's one or two or three things that you really care about, but like just get in the habit of always getting up in the day and trying to get better at something because that will give you a reason that will give you purpose. And you might like, you know, for me, like when I started in my twenties, teens, twenties, and I was doing acting, it was all acting for a while. And then, you know, it was filmmaking and then it was writing and now it's business. And the thing is, is that I'm still an actor. I'm still a filmmaker. I'm still a writer. I still do all that stuff. But now I'm at business. All that stuff that I got better at directed me towards this. And so I don't know if it's coming back or not. But the thing is, is that where you start out and where you think you're headed isn't necessarily where you're headed is my point. But just get better at what you care about right now. And that will lead you to something else. You know, I went through a fad for a little bit where I got really stoked about remote control cars. I don't know why I just was like super into it. Yeah. And I just started reading everything I could get my hands on. I wanted to understand the engines, the, the gas powered versus electric versus like different battery types versus different frames, wheels, what you could right. do with certain cars, what types of models and options there were. And I got super pumped about it. And like now, you know, I know a lot about remote control cars. I went out and bought myself like a six, $700 remote control car that goes like 65 miles per hour, right? It's fast. And I, and then I bought like, um, these basically bald tires on it that you can buy special. So you can basically do drifting with the car if you want. It's, and it was fun, you know, and I did that and you know what, now I'm kind of like, okay, well I still pull up my remote control car once in a while, but it's not really my thing anymore, but it was for a while. And I learned a ton through it, but it led me to other things. The point is, is that it doesn't matter what you're excited about. If it's video games, be excited about it. It doesn't matter. But the thing is, is the the thing that I've really realized, because I went through a depression, right? Yeah. The thing that I realized is that just the most important thing a human being can do is be interested in growing and building something in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something like I heard, I heard this, I don't know if the stats are correct, but I heard it was like something like 800,000 people a year are committing suicide right now. It's a big number. I mean, if you think about like in the percentage of the billions of people, it's not that much, but 800,000 people. So that's more people than are dying in wars right now are, are actually just taking their own lives Yeah. In a, in a time where, and, and you know, a lot of those people are, are first world people. So in a time where you could live in a first world where you can have everything at your disposal, where we live in one of the most peaceful times in history, where we live in this amazing world, why would people in the world ever get to that point? And it, I think it has largely to do with this education system that trains us to, to believe that we'll arrive at some day. And then we're going to, and then what happens is we think we've got there and then things go wrong. You know, people get divorced, they lose their job. Um, the, the, you know, all sorts of things happen. And what happens is people just like, well, 
I I have nothing else now. I did what I was told to do. So I think part of this uh, conversation too, on a deeper level is calling everyone to action to get something that you're working on and building that you're up to. Yeah. Always. Because then it won't matter what happens in your life. Things will fall apart. You know, relationships will end. People will pass away. Jobs will be lost. Jobs will be changed. People will do shitty things to each other. But if you have the thing you're up to, that's going to help you to stay on course because you're going to have something that you're doing that's you. Yeah. And that's part of what I think talent is. Talent isn't just for everyone else to see how great you are. It's for you to see how great you are, you know? And by seeing how great you are, you start to build a sense of self love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's severely lacking in our society right now. And, 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 you know, when you, and and it kind of comes back to that question you asked, why don't we do this stuff? It's because we haven't been taught self love. We've been taught how to be loved by everyone else or try to be loved by everyone else. Right. And that's just not fulfilling when those things fall away and they will inevitably for everybody because people die, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, people lose jobs and we're seeing it more and more. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, is you need something that's more than about everybody else. You need something that's for you. And it doesn't, it isn't about anything. It isn't about getting anywhere other than to see that you're a little better today that you learned something a little more, that you grew a little bit, that you Mm -hmm. applied yourself somehow and that you, you got interested and activated and involved and engaged. Right. Which by the way, is another thing they mentioned in the book engagement. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's 52 points. I don't think we're, yeah, we're not going to cover them all. Covering all of them. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. You know, the the whole depression thing is a big thing for me because I really like, I went through it a few years ago in a severe, pretty severe way, I'd say. And so it's a big thing for me when I hear these numbers, when I hear that, you know, so many people, especially men are, are doing themselves in. And I think about that and I go, you know, a part of me is a bit of an advocate for it because I look at it and I go like, like trying to help people overcome that because I look at it and I go, man, like those were hard days. And and I know what it's like to just feel like lost and confused and not sure what to do. And, um, you know, I think the thing is, is that, um, we don't always, we're not always going to have friends around. We're not always going to have options that, you know, not everyone else has. Right. And so sometimes you're going to be on your own for a bit. And I think in those times, that's when you just gotta, you know, you gotta try to just come really grounded with yourself, just build yourself little by little, you know, I'm speaking to the guy who's out there or a woman and you're struggling right now, just go to the gym or, or go to the playground or whatever you can do. And just, you know, do your pushups and your sit-ups and your pull-ups and just do some stuff, you know, just do something, make yourself a little better every day because you're going to come out of it and you're going to come out of it and you're going to be like, okay, well, at least I worked out the whole time. At least I wrote the whole time. At least I yeah. read the whole time, but just do something a little every day. And even if you're sleeping in and you can't get up and you can't get out of bed and you know, you hate your job and all this stuff, just do those little yeah. things. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, it's, you know, that old piece of advice of learning something new every day. Right. You know, and that's, um, to me, it, it's actually, I was thinking about this that recently because I used to think of that when, you know, when I first heard it, I don't remember when I first heard it a right. long time ago, right? That one's been floating around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but learn something new every day. I thought I was like, Oh, okay. So what? Like, uh, you know, uh, a language should learn a new language or I should, you know, like there, I had an idea of what that was to learn something new every single day. Sure. Uh, like, you know, you had to be taking a class of some kind 
And I recently thought about that and said, no, no, no. Like that could, well, that could certainly be fit within that. Yeah, absolutely. Without question. But learn something new every day is more about uh, a thing about being, about being present in your life, you know, about being aware of the, of the lessons that are, that are showing up for you every single day. Mm. You know, what did you learn about life today? Mm -hmm. Or what did you learn in life today? You know, like just what did you, what, what did you get out of it? You know, like what did you, were you paying attention? Did you figure, and it's something that I think you can even ask yourself at the end of every single day. It's like, what did I learn today? Hmm. What did I learn about my life today or the world today? Mm-hmm. And if you can answer something, because the truth is you probably did learn something that you didn't know before. I don't understand how you couldn't learn something, <laughs> you know, at the end of every single day, but it's really about being conscious about that and being right. conscious about learning in your life. And that, I think that fits into this whole thing of, of the journey as opposed to the destination. Right. And we've talked a lot about that, but I think that fits very much into this whole conversation about practice hmm. as artists is, are you being present for what is happening right now for the things like, are you, are you able to get a sense of reward out of the thing that you're doing itself? Hmm. Can you find it? Like maybe, like maybe you're not, maybe you're stuck in a certain perspective on what you're doing. And that's usually probably because you're thinking about something that's way down here or way back here. Right. Right. But it's like, can you find a reward in what you're actually doing? right now and right here. And if you can shift your perception to that and you can find that reward, then practice becomes, um, an exciting challenge. It becomes an exciting, uh, uh, growing opportunity as opposed to a monotonous thing that you just want to get over. Right. Right. You can, you can shift it so much of, I think this life is about perceptions. Mm Mm-hmm that's what I've discovered. Like the whole concept of, um, you know, I'm not going to go too far down crazy corner here, (laughs) but you know, the, about, you know, well, what is reality? Yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what reality is. All I know is that there are perceptions of it Mm. and our perceptions seem to shape our reality. So for me, it's like, I think so much of what we do on this podcast is like, well, let's try and shift some perceptions here. Let's try and look at something in a new way, in a new light that, that encourages us to be more creative, to be more present, to engage with life here and now. And, and that, is so, and it's such an important thing for us in our lives, but as artists practice is such an important thing of, of, about being an artist and being in a, and doing a craft, right. You know, like it's, we, we need to learn to find more, more and more and more and more joy out of these things. It really is about joy. I mean, I think that, I think ultimately if your whole life was, um, primarily joyful with, even and I, I think there can be moments without joy and that that can be important, but they're brief, but you have, you'll have moments of sadness. You have moments of anger, moments of happiness and happiness isn't joy that, you know, but joy in everything and joy in this sense of just being alive, you know, you, you become invincible. 
And I think that when it comes to this talent thing, you know, is what we're talking about here is it's really important that you don't compare yourself to people in a negative or destructive way. Like they're so much better than I am is not a good sentence to say. It's just like, how do I be as good as they are? Is a good sentence is a good question is a good idea. But if you ask yourself in negative terms, it's a perception thing. So, so you say like negative is how come I'm not as good as they are? Positive is how could I be as good as they are? Yeah. And the other thing too is or how can I be, how can I be better than I am today? Exactly. Which is what I was going to lead to, which ah. is all you really, all that really matters right now yeah. is that you, once you like, the thing is, is okay. I look at, say I look at, uh, I don't know, Kobe Bryant, right? He's a way better basketball player than me. I'm not even interested in playing basketball. He's way better than I am clearly. Yeah. Right. So far beyond me. Right. And the thing is, is that I go, I could go, well, what would I need to do to be as good as he is? Right. And is it, you know, is it possible? Well, I believe anything's possible, but the thing is, is like, would I be willing to do the work it would take to do there? And do I really want to do it? But the thing is, is right now I can go, okay, I am where I'm at as a basketball player. So the first thing I need to do is I need to do an activity that Kobe Bryant would do. So Kobe Bryant would go and after a game, he would shoot like 83 throws or 800 of them, right? Yeah. So now let's see how many of those can I throw and how good I am. And I, if I kept track of that, I could go, okay, that's how good I am. And I can go back tomorrow and I could see if I've gotten better and go back the next day, I've gotten better, go back the next day, I've gotten better. And the thing is, is I would have to, for me to even, even come even a fraction closer I would have to start doing the basics that he's doing all the time. I'd have to work on my dribbling every day, work on my three throws every day, free throws or whatever they're called. Yeah. Uh, work on my three pointers, work on my layups, you know, work on my, you know, whatever, all these things I would have to do little by little before I could begin combining them in an interesting way. And so the thing is, is like, I think for the new artist or the new athlete or the new person out there, who's like really serious about really doing something great. I think what you want to do is you just want to go, okay, like, let me just master something. Like, let me master like shooting on net or, or dribbling this thing or, you know, or stick handling or, or just memorizing lines. I want to be the best at memorizing lines. I want to be so good that my teachers are like, how did you memorize that so quick? And, and become the best at that. And then once you become the best at that, then become the best at something else and the best at something else. But don't try to be the best actor. It's just way, way too grand, right? But be the best at something you could manage, right? Yeah. Be and the I mean, best at being early. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. And I mean, and best is still like, I, I find that the thing of like, best is such a precarious word to like, the best that you can be yeah. the best that you are capable of wherever you're at, you know, and you push yourself because the, just a general blanket statement of like the best, well, you'll never know if you're the best line learner. You'll never know if you're the best, you know, like at breaking down a scene, there's, there's no way you can possibly ever know that unless you entered some kind of a competition and international competition, in which case I never heard of such a competition. And now we're in fantasy land. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're in fantasy land, but also in which case it's like, but then you go like, even if you were to win this hypothetical competition of line learning or something and you say, yeah, I won. I'm the best. Oh, actually there's this guy who wasn't in the competition. He was at a wedding. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, he was at his cousin's wedding. He was going to come, but he's actually better than you are. Yeah. So, you know, well, like, yeah. but, but you know, like that's the thing. It's like, you can just never know this shit. So it's like, it best is like, you know, it's all about mastery and, and what's good enough for you. You well, know, here's the thing. Uh, well, I want to say about the best because you're never going to know you're the best in any scenario, but, um, you should find a group that you are not as good as, and then you should try to be better than that group because you can always work within your peer group. And the thing is, is that if you're in a great peer group, what'll happen is as you push yourself to be the best, someone else will push themselves and you'll always be growing. And if you outgrow that peer group, go find a new peer group. And the thing is, is that when it comes to, when it comes to friendships, friendships are different. You don't necessarily need to be better or worse than your friends. It's irrelevant because you accept each other for how you are. But when it comes to the things that you want to build in your life, you need to find a peer group that's going to build with you. You need to find a peer group that you're comparing yourself to because they're, because people do become our yardstick in many ways. Um, and the thing is, is that you want to keep an eye on two things. You have two eyes, keep an eye on two things. Well, technically you should keep an eye on yourself always, but one is you keep an eye on the people you're around right now and you keep an eye on the people who are the absolute best who, where you want to head because, um, you know, like you should, uh, you should be looking at them and figuring out what they're doing and not with envy or jealousy or any of that crap, but look at it with absolute curiosity and wonder and awe and, and, and just try and figure out how are they doing what they're doing? You know, there's this kid I used to play soccer with. He scored, uh, he, he was the highest scorer in our league. We played a, a top level. He scored like 24 goals in a season and, uh, which is high in soccer. Right. And, um, he had a field in his backyard that his parents built a net and he would take shots every single day. This guy could strike a ball like nobody our age. Like yeah. it was incredible. Um, and the thing is, is that I remember finding that out and going, I want to shoot like that. And I started going to the, I, I didn't have a soccer field in my backyard, but I started going down to the local field and I would just toe down, head down, blast that ball. And I'd be able to do it like top corner. And I remember there was this kid who was bullying me on our, on a, on that very team. This kid was bullying me and I, and I, I just, him and a few other kids. And I just always like, I just it's like, man, I want to punch that kid out one day, you know, yeah. but whatever, I'm not going to do it. But I was playing a game on a men's league years later. And this guy, he was playing on the other team and he came up and he approached me. He's like, Hey, and you know, we're older now. And he's kind of like, cool. Cause we're older and we're not kids anymore. But I was like, ah, man, I don't, want to, I don't <laughs> like this guy. You know what I mean? Old feelings die and, hard. And the defense made a mistake and I was about 25 yards out and I just toe down, just blasted the ball top corner. And I was just like, when I did it and I did it in front of him, cause they used to make fun of me for not being as good and all that stuff. And I just thought, you know what? That that was like all that practice just came together in that moment where I could be like, you know, it wasn't even about, it wasn't even about anything, but it was kind of like one of those moments where it's like, you know, I might've not been that good back then, but this was a expression of all the work and all the time that I put in and all those times where I was at the practice field, you know, hitting that ball for a moment like this to happen in a game where, you know, I could just hit a perfect ball like that. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that that's where, that's where our skills start to come out in these like kind of 
really interesting moments, you know, but I think the thing is, is that when I was playing for that team, all those guys did such a great favor for me because they were all better than me. Everybody on that team was better than me. And the thing is, is that I would just, I wanted to be that good, you know, and I would, and I would learn and I, and I, and, you know, I would learn from them and figure out what they did. And then after I left that team where I was the worst player on the team, I was the captain of my next team. So the thing is, is that I don't think that I don't like when I was the captain on my next team, that was kind of transitional because the thing is, is you always want to try to find some group that's better than you. Yeah. So this is my point. Being the best is a temporary thing. You only want to be the best temporarily. And then you want to try to find out how you can find someone else or somewhere else where you're not the best anymore, Mm -hmm. because that's, what's going to push you to try to be the best again. Yeah. You know? And so when you don't look at it from a place of like, see, the thing is, the thing I didn't like about this kid that I was talking about is that what I didn't like about him was that he was bullying me and make fun of me and insulting me for not being as good. Mm. He was, he was, you know, I didn't really care about us being better than each other. I just, I don't like bullying and all of that. Yeah. But like they say, you know, the best form of revenge is success. <laughs> yeah. If you're going for that kind of thing. Totally. But anyway, my, whatever, I went off on my little tangent there. That's all right. Yeah. Um, we'll tangent a little way, uh, a little while longer. Cause I've got to top you up here. Oh yeah. Top, um, top so of how that, have you been liking this? Brisky. Uh, yeah, no, this is good, man. This is uh it's been a nice, nice light beer on a hot summer day. Um, can't complain about that. Um, yeah, man, I like it. Uh, two thumbs up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, this is from Steamworks Brewing located right in Gastown, Vancouver, British Columbia. And this is their Kolsch. Ah. Kolsch lagered ale. So I thought, yep, that seems good. It's hot today. Um, it's really good Kolsch. It's like, uh, yeah, man, I, I really enjoy yeah. it. I really love their, uh, some of their branding. They've got like a really kind of a cool yeah, they do. Of look to their stuff. Almost like old, uh, I don't even know how you would characterize that, that sort of art style. seems like old English something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like kind of English yeah. industrial age or something like something that, like you that, know? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. It's a, it's tasty for a lager. I mean, not overwhelmingly so, but, um, sometimes you have lager and it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's just very bland. This is actually, but not, but sometimes it's too much. Yeah. And this is a good balance. I yeah. Think. It's got almost kind of like a nice little fruitiness to it. I don't know. Something kind of, uh, something very nice about it, but yeah, easy, I like it. easy to drink. It's a winner. Um, well, so yeah, wrap this puppy up. Yeah. Let's wrap this puppy up. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's see here. Uh, you know, I think the thing is, is that there's a lot of time where you're going to be learning and growing in the wings. Uh, you know, when you're on your own, when you're looking up at people who seem so much better than you. And I think a lot of your journey is going to be like that. In fact, most of it will be like that. And if you're doing it right, most of it should be like that because you want to be around people who are better than you. And I think the thing is, is that when you start doing something exceptionally well, if you ever become literally the best in whatever scenario you're in and you cannot find a better peer group, 
there's always places to look to improve in various ways that you might not see. And, um, I think at that point, you know, you might begin to look at somewhere else where you want to develop yourself. Because I, I think that I don't think any of us are one trick ponies. I think like we're, you know, we are very multifaceted beings who build many different skills. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a, there's a whole life to live. And no matter how passionate you are about one thing, I don't think you should ever define yourself by that one thing. Um, for me moving forward, um, with this, with all of this in mind and everything we've talked about, the thing that I'll apply is, you know, entrepreneur business building right now is very big for me. It's just, it's really important. I'm very interested and I want to become exceptionally well at Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so, you know, the things that I'm going to do are, I'm actually going to break down, um, all the things that I can do, all the little hard skills that I could build. I'm going to like, just make a list of what they are and I'm going to work on those things one by one. And I'm just going to become really masterful at each one until I can kind of bring them all together. And, uh, you know, one of them I know already is like, I'm pretty good at public speaking, but I could be better at public speaking. So that'll be one of them, you know, um, just there's certain parts of a sales call. Like there's uh, you know, seven to nine parts or whatever, you know, to going through an actual sales call with somebody. I'm going to perfect each one of those, you know, uh, you know, one of them is really just connecting with the person, you know, so I'm going to work on that. I'm just going to really go out and just really get sharp at connecting. Another part is like, you know, later in Liz is asking for the sale, asking for the clothes. I'm going to get really good at that, you know, and really think about that. And if I got to practice in the mirror doing it, I'll do it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing is like being able to pitch your business, being able to share it with people, you know, um, I'm going to work on, on that. And uh, I mean, I'm going to check this book, you know, the, um, the, the little book of talents, and I'm going to check the various talents and see which, which, cause they, there's 52 ideas right there about how to work on something. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do. And my recommendation to anyone else, and the final thing I'll say on there is just everyone, you know, go pick up that book. If you want to get good at something, I mean, I, I recommend it cause it's such an easy read and just keep it on hand. It's designed to be small and easy to read so that you can keep checking back into it. Yeah. So it's one of those books. I don't, I'll never give it up. Yeah. You know, excellent. Yeah. I'll have to read it myself do it. Um, for myself, you know, this one's been, uh, yeah, it's been like a a great reminder of, of going back to going back to the basics, the importance of going back to some of the basics, uh, and, and, and developing those sort of those core skills, those fundamental things, um, because of how important they are. But yeah, just like it's been, you know, like I think my piece of sort of maybe advice out of this would be like, yeah, don't get, don't get discouraged by, um, you know, seeing the person that you, you see up on the mountaintop, you know, and how far you have to go to get there. You know, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't focus on that, you know, and I'll, I'll just say again to, um, ask yourself how it's like, it's like, how can you find the reward in what you're doing right now in this thing that you're, you're building this thing that you're developing right now? What's the reward right now out of doing this, Hmm. you know, find, get, get creative about where you are, 
you know, think differently about where you are, shift your perception about where you are so that you can enjoy the journey and not be, um, don't not get so caught up, not get so, um, worried and stressed out and freaked out about like, Oh, well, this is, this is my thing. Enjoy the, your, the practices, enjoy the discipline, enjoy the kind of the meat and potatoes of, of your current spot, you know, and eventually you're going, if you, if you just focus on that, eventually you're going to find yourself standing on the mountaintop, Hmm. looking down, there's going to be somebody who's like coming up the mountain saying like, how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, and, and yeah, 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 that's it. So it's like, and what are you going to do personally take away? Uh, for myself, um, I am, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm just doing the little things. I'm going to keep like with specifically with my guitar. It's like, you know what? Cause I, I don't do it every single time. Most of the time I'm doing it, but I'm going to be more diligent about making sure I'm doing, um, my exercises mm. and you know what? I'm going to learn a new practice exercise too. I'm going to go and do that too. Cool. That's not hard to find. Again, we talked about that. It's easy to find education. There are, I, there's going to be a million videos on YouTube of somebody who's better than I am saying, here's a great exercise for you to do before you start playing. Right. (laughs) So like it's, it's all there. Yeah. Like it's all there for us. So just like, man, go and learn something new. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. Yeah. You know, just a little something is a victory. Yeah. And apply it with action. That's important. Yeah. And apply it with action. Cause like, I think the big thing in the, and you know, I just want to hammer this one thing home. The big thing that the book pointed out is that you're trying to build neural pathways in your brain right. and the, and you can learn it, but until you do it, you won't have built the pathway. So whatever you learn, like do something to apply it some way or another, yeah. because that's, you want to build that pathway. And I think that's the important thing. So like for me, um, man, I mean, I think I've reformed over the last few years. I've just reformed so many pathways because I went through a depression. I've got to this place where I'm at now. I mean, people, most people who meet me don't even, they can't even believe that I was even that when I talk about it, that like, especially people who are new who have met me, I don't think they really get it. Like I was in a really not a great place, but the thing is, is when you're in a depression, you've created neural pathways that are going to the negatives and mm-hmm. certain things all the time. And so I, I literally through discipline and it was slow and, and painful and hard and difficult, but eventually I've changed my brain to start to see, be more in the moment, start thinking of the positive and the optimist again yeah. and whatnot. So you know, one thing I just want to leave everybody with is whatever you do with this, take this away, take some action that positively that you're going to do that positively begins to build a pathway in your brain, a practice towards more towards where you want to go and who you want to be. And the way your brain works is it simply goes on autopilot and it it's easier, make it so easy for it to go down that pathway, you know? So, you know, people who are funny tend to have really strong pathways towards like, they're always looking for what's funny in the situation. Yeah. So they built strong pathways and that's what makes them funny people. Right. So if you want to be any certain way or you want to do any certain thing, just start to build those pathways and it doesn't have to happen overnight, but like, yeah, cause it's a process. Yeah. It's a practice. And it's not a rush. Right. You know, like it's just, it's just a practice. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. Cool. Cool. Nice being back. Nice being back indeed. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.